0: Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. We have already stated that the priesthood of Jesus is perfect. So when we have a new priestly order in Jesus, it follows that we have a new covenant. Today on Drawing Near, we see God's work in establishing the new covenant. Let's take our Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 8 and study a new and better covenant. And as we prepare for today's study, let's pray together. And our Father in heaven, we come before you knowing that you have perfect plans and perfect designs, for you are perfect, perfectly wise, perfectly knowledgeable. You are not limited in time and space like we are. You see all things as they are, past, present, and future. And Father, we're thankful for your omnipresence, your omniscience, the fact that you are God Almighty. And Lord, we pray that we could understand some of these things, although most of these things are really not for us as Gentiles. But we need to look behind the curtain, so to speak, and see your working and your moving in such a way in the lives of Israel, in the Old Covenant, and then the New, so that we might see how you have brought us in and fulfilled this great mystery. Guide us in our study. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We closed our last study with the statement that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. So let's pick up on Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brothers, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So right at the very beginning in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews tells us that the first covenant— was not faultless. There was a problem. Therefore, it had to be replaced. Now, God didn't create a bad covenant. God had a plan and a purpose from the beginning. The first covenant, the first law, is a type of that which is to come, and it cannot save. It can only point to the new covenant, the better covenant, the everlasting covenant to come. The law itself could only point out the sinfulness of people It could not produce righteousness. So there was a need for a better covenant. God made a promise to the children of Israel that he would make a new covenant. He said, The days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the old covenant that he made with the Israelites under Moses, but a new covenant. God acknowledges there was a faultiness in the Israelites themselves, they did not keep the old covenant. In fact, we know they couldn't. As sinners, we cannot perfectly adhere to any law. And so the covenant was faulty, and the people themselves could not keep that covenant. Then in verse 10 of Hebrews 8, we're told, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And this is the important part. There is a promise here for the future, a promise for even into eternity. The new covenant that God will make with the house of Israel is this. He says, I will no longer have laws written on tablets, but I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. God is going to put his truth, his law, his righteousness in his people. They're not going to have a standard out there somewhere administered to by faulty priests, priests who sin and need to make sacrifices for their own sins, he is going to put the law itself on the people's hearts. He says when he does that, he will be their God and they shall be his people. That's the language we find at the end of the book of Revelation. When Jesus has established everything, when he has conquered sin, death, the grave, Satan, the Antichrist, when he has put an end to the rebellion on the earth, And the final judgment has come. God says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. He goes on and says, and I will be with them. He will be in their midst. And so God says he's going to write this law on their hearts and on their minds, and he's going to be their God and they his people. They're not going to rebel anymore. He emphasizes this in verse 11 by saying, None of the people shall teach his neighbor and none his brother. There'll be no more need for preachers and teachers and pastors and disciplers because no one will have to say, come to know the Lord, because all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. No one's going to have to be brought to Christ. No one's going to have to be brought to God the Father because God will do this on their hearts and all will know him. Verse 12 is important. He says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. It is God's great desire to eliminate the barrier between us and him. That barrier is sin. Now, God in his righteousness and holiness can't disregard sin. He cannot do that. But what he can do is pay for sin perfectly. Pay for sin once for all. And he has done that on the cross. And we're going to see that in studies that are coming up. The writer of Hebrews is very, very deliberately and slowly building this argument about how Christ is superior to the Old Testament priests. And so we're told here that God's mercy will reign and he will remember the people's sins and lawlessness no more. Why? Because Jesus will have paid it in full. And then verse 13, the verse we haven't read at the end of the chapter, goes on and says, In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. The old covenant is obsolete. Paul in one of his letters has said, The law and all of its ordinances was nailed to the cross with Jesus. As Jesus died, so did the old covenant. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The writer of Hebrews is trying to plead with the Hebrew readers, these Hebrew people, Jewish people who have trusted Christ, trying to help them understand they no longer have to worry about the law, that the law is just a shadow of what Jesus Christ has brought in with his death, burial, and resurrection, and what Jesus will bring in when he fulfills all that God has given him to do and those things we see in the book of Revelation. He wants them to embrace Jesus Christ and the new covenant, because as long as they're embracing the old covenant in any way, shape, or form, they are not fully taking hold of the new covenant and the new promises. God desires all believers, Jewish and Gentile, to come to him through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, and to come under the new covenant. And that's the importance of these words. You and I, I assume, are Gentile believers. And as Gentile believers, we get this glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak, that we may understand what God has done in the Old Testament in bringing about Jesus Christ, the new and better high priest, with a new and better covenant. And that helps us because he writes these things on our hearts. The Holy Spirit indwelling us, enables him to do that, because Jesus has paid for our sins and broken down the wall of separation in the law and in our sinfulness by paying for that on the cross. Praise the Lord. There's a lot here to think about. We've been thinking about quite a bit for the last three chapters, and we're not done yet. (laughs) So I pray that you'll hang with me and that you'll continue to become familiar with the writer of Hebrews and what he says, because these things are important. And that's why God has included them in his word. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for these words. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding, that you would stretch the limits of our thinking and imagination so that we could grasp all that you have done. Because as we see what you have done, we learn more and more about you and your son and your purposes and plans. And we can appreciate, honor, glorify, and worship you even more fully. Help us, Father to live out the truth that you are putting in our hearts and minds through your Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the promise that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.